opportunity to hear from your word. Help us to hear from your word today. Help me to be able to convey that correctly to those here amongst us and that we would all uh, hear from your word, your Holy Spirit, and guide my mouth and heart, I pray. And also, if there's someone here that does not know you, they would understand their need to know you, trust you, and fear you as their Lord, but also as their Savior. And I pray that you would help us to then take the message to the world around us and that we would, through our light shining, uh, see a more God-fearing people in our community and in our world, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The fear of the Lord, what is it? Well, notice in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, my son. Notice in chapter 1, it says in verse 10, verse 8, my son, hear the instruction of thy father. Verse 10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. My son, my son, my son. Verse 29 says of chapter 1, for, they that, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof, therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Notice verse 29 teaches that the fear of the Lord is a choice. The fear of the Lord is actually a choice. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. It has been said, and I have said it, and I've heard others say it, and I think the Bible indicates it, that the problem I think that we have as a society or any society has is the breakdown in the father-child relationship. The reason why I say that is because when you read the Bible and it says, our father which art in heaven, and when we are told that, that, if, that God wants to be our father, and by the way, we are not, as a, as a human race, we are not all God's children. You hear that? But you need to be saved, you need to be born again, you need to be adopted into God's family, and then those of us who are believers, who are Christians, we are all God's children. And that's why it's, it makes no sense, as we know religion does, it teaches people to memorize, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and he is not yet their father, they haven't been born again yet. It's not wrong to memorize that, it's just that it doesn't really mean anything until he really is your father. But in saying that, I think I see... In my lifetime, I have observed that there are people who struggle with God as their father because they did not appreciate their own father. And did you know, mom and dad, especially dad, did you know that our role is to point our children to the heavenly father? See, when my children were younger, they would get spankings from me. I don't care if you like that or not. That's just what happened. I didn't do that because it's just old-fashioned. I do that because it's in the book of Proverbs where we are right now. They did not get beatings from me, but they did get spankings from me. And now that they're grown and I'm not afraid of DFS anymore, sometimes there was even some marks on their behind. Now, I did not, my goal was not to leave marks, but here's what I know. God gave us a really cushy part of our body that has lots of stingers in it, but doesn't do damage. And I, I followed the word of God in that way. Now, I had advantage. I had a dad that got saved about the time I was born. He was learning. His, his relationship with his father was not a Christian relationship, but he was learning, and so he was starting to gain some wisdom and, and God directed him. But here's the thing. Now, as an adult, I had a, I had. I had a father who was grandfather to my kids who backed up what I was trying to teach them. Wow. See the advantage. 
that we're on the same page. And I, and, and I didn't have to send them to grandparents and then give them back home and have to deprogram them. And, and yet I do believe that there is, there, there is a real difficulty with someone who, when you say our father and they have negative thoughts, Maybe their father was abusive. Maybe their father was AWOL. Maybe their father was overbearing or maybe he was just what they call too strict. He was just over the top. He was not balanced in his life. And so that gives a heart. And so you think of fear God and you're afraid of your, you were afraid of your human father and there's that fear there. So what happens is the pendulum was too far this way so it swings over to this way. I don't want God if he's like my dad. And I want to again say that dads, it is so important that, and and we're not God, obviously. But it is so important that we understand our duty and our responsibility. Unlike God, we have to confess and apologize. God never has to, he's perfect. But again, what God is, is honest. And if you and I are going to impress our children, we have to be honest. And it's the dishonesty that offends them more than any action you do. And the pretend and the fake or whatever it might be. I do believe that there are children, I've heard, I know, children of pastors, children of deacons, who roll their eyes listening to dad and mom talk at church because they know that's not really how it is at home. And these things can complicate the problem. This is why society is, is, is sliding and has slid so far. I heard an 80-year-old man say this the other night. He said, in my day as a child, everybody went to church. He said, now, it wasn't necessarily a good church that we were going to, but everybody went. This 80-year-old man didn't get saved till he was 30. So even in his upbringing, he wasn't saved. He wasn't going to a, a, the right kind of church. But either, everyone had the understanding. We just, that's just what we do. Listen, I, I drive a school bus, and, and I can tell you of kids that ha, they don't even know who their father is, their real father. They, they've never, ever known their mom and dad to be married and together in the same house. They've had different men who they've had to then switch gears in their brain and call them dad now. And then you say, God wants to be your father. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. You can have the wrong concept of God because of a different type of father. This father is, in, is politically correct now. This father is the cool father. This father is the father that gives you whatever you want and is cool and is very lovey and dovey and, and, and yet there is no discipline. Let me also say, you're painting the wrong picture of who your heavenly father is because the Bible says whom the Lord loves, he spikes, he chastens. There have been times where I have said, God, thank you for my spanking. Would you believe it or not? I've actually even told my parents, thank you for spanking me. I did not say it the day they gave it to me. (laughs) But years later, I did thank them for the discipline. Why? Because it was biblical discipline that translated in my brain to they love me. 
the fear of the Lord is a choice. And some people have decided, well, if that's what, and we all hear it, strict, strict. They're just too strict. And, and today, average, average phrase, they're too strict, just means they have rules. But the fear of the Lord is a choice. And you, you need to understand that when you have a proper understanding of God as, as a heavenly father, as a good father, you'll realize you'll kiss the hand that has disciplined you. You'll be thankful that there is someone who cares. Years ago, I was at Star Academy when it still existed, and I wish it still existed. It was a juvenile center for the state of South Dakota. It was right here in Custer. And we would go there, and we would, we would preach and teach to the girls. We would preach and teach to the guys, and we would have chapel service. And I remember specifically the one day that I told this story to the girls, and I said, listen, we moved to our, our home where we live now, and we live uh, on a lane, and you get to the end of the lane, and it's kind of a downhill run, and it goes out to the highway, which is 55, 60 miles an hour. And, and people just fly, and it's, it's, a, it's a curve, and, and it's people just going as fast as they can, as fast as the speed limit, and there's lots of trucks that go up and down, and logging trucks and whatnot, and, and, uh, and so when we first moved into that place, we walked down as a family, and we, the kids had bikes, and we'd walk down, we'd ride the bike, and we'd get down towards the lane, and, and then there was the mailboxes on the other side of the highway, and so I said, here's the thing. I said, see this telephone pole, and the telephone pole, if you go look at it, it's probably, and I don't know if it's, it might be a power pole, but it's probably 100 yards from the pavement. And I looked at my oldest son in the eye and I said, you do not go past that pole on your bike. If we send you to get the mail, you will park your bike and you will lean it up against that pole and you will walk to the shoulder. Then you will look both ways and then you'll cross the road and you'll get the mail. And then when you get the mail, you'll turn and look again and then you'll go back across the road and then you can get on your bike at the power pole and get back to the house. But you will not, if I catch you on your bike past that power pole, you will get the biggest spanking you've ever gotten in your life. So we came from a country home that had like 14 acres out in Wyoming. And we paid 800 bucks a year for our taxes. Anyway, um, <laughs> he wasn't used to the pavement. I said, but you hear, you cannot. And when I said, and I will, if I catch you, I will give you the biggest spanking you've ever gotten in your life. And I tried to look as mean as I could. And the girls at juvenile center went, <gasps> I said, let me tell you why. Because I know what a spanking does to a bottom. And I know what a logging truck does to a body. And you might think I'm mean, but I ain't near as mean as what a logging truck will do to him. See, I love him, and that's why I'm telling him, and I will also hold you responsible if any of your other siblings go out there. Whoa, you're a mean dad. They're all still alive. And in the middle of that chapel service, I saw the eyes in those girls change from, oh, you monster, to. I wish I had had a dad like that. Now, did I, did I put the fear of God into my kids? Yeah. Why? Because I care about them. Because if you don't have the fear of God, you're in trouble. In that case, it was really just the fear of dad. 
See, not fearing God destroys you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth not is condemned already. That needs to be understood that God loves his own and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But if you don't receive him and get saved, he will send you to hell. That's the truth. And you need to learn to fear the Lord. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Hebrews 10 says, it is a fearful thing to, for sinners to fall in the hands of an angry God. Back in the 1700s, a man named Jonathan Edwards preached that. And I don't even, never read the sermon myself. I know nobody here has ever listened to it. But Jonathan Edwards preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. Try that one on Christian radio today. Come on. We're not the same Christians that America got started with. The message is lovey-dovey-dovey. You're lying to people when you pretend that only half of God is God. Yes, God is merciful, but God is also a judge. And if you'll get to know him, he won't be your judge. And so either way, we need to understand, we got to give the whole counsel of God. Our young people and our church families need to know all about God. Not just the side we like. Destroys you, it destroys families. Pharaoh rebelled against God and hardened his heart toward God. It destroyed his family. Destroyed his nation. It killed his firstborn son. Saul rebelled against God. And the preacher said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And Saul allowed witchcraft into his home through his rebellion and disobedience to God. And it destroyed Saul. David, the man after God's own heart, got lazy and stayed home and saw a woman that was married to someone else and took her. And you read... 2 Samuel 11, the sin happens, chapter 12 and following is the punishment happened. Not fearing God destroys you and it will destroy families. There's no doubt that the actions of fathers and what they did broke hearts of people. People who used to go to church, people, young people who used to believe until dad did what they did or mom did what they did. Not fearing God will destroy you, it'll destroy families, it'll destroy churches. This is Acts chapter two, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. Well, let's just skip that believe and receive his word part and just baptize everybody. Let's just call everybody a Christian. I mean, if they say they're a Christian and they look like they're a Christian, they must be a Christian. Let's not investigate. Churches have become infiltrated with non-believers. Hebrews chapter 10 still says, verse 24 and 25, that we should consider one another to provoke into love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
no matter what else seems to be important, church will be more important. That's just how our family was. And it wasn't because I was the pastor. That's just how I was raised before my dad was ever a pastor. Church is important. Hebrews 13 talks about obey them that have the rule over you who have spoken into the word of God. The idea that pastor is the pastor. Now, he's not perfect. But I'm thankful that even though my parents had some, my parents had a lousy pastor. I didn't know about it for years. Because my parents were wise enough to know that if they tear down pastor in front of second grade Matt Furs, I'm not gonna have a real high opinion of pastor. Used to be that the student was wrong and the teacher was right. Now today, the student is always right. My kid never does anything wrong. So it destroys churches and it destroys nations. Psalm 9 verse 17 says, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. In Jeremiah chapter 36, there's a story of a king whose nation was about to be conquered and this not very bright king took the word of God and cut it with a knife and threw it into the fire. You don't fear God, you're gonna pay for it. Not fearing God will destroy you personally. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy churches and it'll destroy nations. Now, what is the proper, I need to talk fast. Hopefully you can listen fast. The proper fear of the Lord causes trust in him. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 31. The people just got onto the other side of the Red Sea. They crossed on dry ground. The Egyptians drowned what an awesome thing. I want to see that DVD when I get to heaven. And in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 31, it says, And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. They saw what God could do. They, no one else had been able to make water stand up by itself. They saw what God did and only God could have done it. And they feared the Lord and they believed. You see, my children did not, they did not become Christians as soon as we uh, gave them their name. My children were not Christians because they were in a pastor's home. My children were pastor's kids before they were Christians. I have a grandchild now. He's not a Christian yet. But when you exemplify the fear of the Lord, and of course they learn about the Red Sea crossing in Sunday school and hopefully when you're reading it to them at home and they, they learn all about God and all the awesome things that God, walking on water and, and all the things that God can do and, and the amazing miracles that, and, and how powerful he is, they, they, they learn to respect him and fear him. But when they see dad Remember a few weeks ago I said, I'm usually winning the argument with my wife until she uses the Bible on me. It's like not fair. You pulled out the wild card. When they see dad crumble to the Bible and they see dad say, the Bible says I have to be honest and I, have to, I was wrong and I need to confess. Then my kids really learn, whoa, dad's even more afraid of God than anything afraid enough to humble himself, that's when they start to realize how 
fearful God really is. Not in a bad way, but that's how important God is. And shame on us when we say God's God, but then we can't be humble enough to demonstrate it when it's going to cost us something to demonstrate it. See, a God-fearing man's a blessing. We used to have them in Washington, D.C. We used to have more of them in South Dakota. And when you fear him, you'll trust him. You'll get to know him. Psalm, I'm going to run out of time. I can see this already. Psalm chapter 85. Psalm 85 and verse number 9. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. You might find this shocking, but there were a, was a time years ago when my oldest would sit on the front row and I would teach Sunday school. Miss Wilma would be downstairs in our old building in Wyoming and she would be teaching Sunday school to the kids and I'd be teaching Sunday school to the adults. And my, my oldest, which was still in diapers, was on the front row and he was too young to be in their Sunday school and, and so there was nobody to watch him and so he was on the front row and, and still in diapers. And I had this plastic spoon in my pocket and I would teach Sunday school and I'd stop and I'd say, stop. And then I'd teach another point. I'd say, stop. And then finally I'd reach over and go, whoosh, on that fat leg sticking out of the diaper. <laughs> it was the most effective attention getter for Sunday school ever. I said, you're next. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. But Miss Wilma said, you know, it worked really cool in nursery because in nursery, the, the little kids don't realize that's my own kid. And, you know, you... <laughs> he, we didn't do that because it saved him. Although Proverbs says, if you do spank him, you'll deliver his soul from hell. See, here's what I'm saying. When the little guy in the diapers got old enough... He was able to sit. He was able to comprehend. And because the squirminess was disciplined out of him and the habits of just climbing around and doing whatever he wanted was disciplined out of him, he could focus and learn and listen and gain way more information than the one that's always squirming and doing everything else. See, we were doing him a favor. You hear the expression, kids these days. No, it's parents these days. Has nothing to do with the kids. I'll take all the kids in town. Most of them don't have a problem with me. It's their parents. And one day that young man got saved and began to grow and mature. Saw something yesterday. Teacher said, what's your favorite book? The, what's a book that ever made you cry? Algebra. <laughs> and the comical thing is, is that that same boy went to School of Mines on a presidential scholarship. He's 25 years old. He makes more money than I have ever made. Well, you're just lucky. It's got nothing to do with it. Well, you must have taught him a lot of math. Ha! <laughs> X minus Y equals Z? That's stupid.
stupid, man. That's alphabet. What are you doing? I, I was looking at, he was doing homework one night, and he was like, what is that? He said, that's imaginary numbers. What? I tried imaginary numbers in second grade. My teacher wasn't impressed. What is that? But there came a day where that young man learned how to be saved. And he became born again. It'll teach you to trust him. I'm so thankful we had problems as a young couple. You say, why? Because it was able to, we were to teach our kids. We had to show them God is real. It teaches, it causes obedience. Again, I'm not going to have time, but in Psalm 111, Psalm 36 is all about the people who didn't fear God. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. And then chapter 112 verse 1 says, praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. It teaches obedience. Proverbs 16 verse 6 says, By mercy and truth iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. And we would explain to our children, and we would tell them the sad stories, the sob stories, and we would let them see, and they would know from the word of God, boy, you get away from God, this will happen. And do you understand the devil's like a roaring lion, and he wants to destroy you? Oh, and they were very serious about them, very sober-minded about that. But there came a day where I could no longer get my nose in my oldest son's face and say, you do this. I can't do that. He's 25. I haven't been doing that for several years. He lives in Arizona. He's too far away to get a spanking. He's on his own. But, but see, I, my, my wife and I, we taught them the fear of the Lord so that one day it's no longer the fear of mom and dad. It truly is the fear of our heavenly father. Today, he has entered into a courtship. He, he will be probably the next wedding after next month. And he has been taking his time, a little trial and error, thinking maybe someone was it, but not. Pastors suggesting him all kinds of different young ladies. And God, truly God has led him to what seems to be the one. And his biggest concern is, I don't want to do it outside of God's will. I want it to be exactly the way God wants it to be. Maybe divorce has broken your home. Let me tell you something. You could still teach your kids a lot by how you respond to that. You could still teach them a lot about marriage and warn them. And so the third thing, not only trust and obedience, but it, it causes us to teach our children. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Noah, it says that Noah by faith built an ark. Noah by faith built an ark. You all have heard of Noah's ark. And then it says something in Hebrews 11 verse 7. It says, he was moved with fear. Noah was motivated by fear. 
Let me tell you something. Everybody in this room is motivated by fear. Everybody in this room does what you do because of fear of somebody. We all fear somebody. I just chose a long time ago, chose to fear him. I'm not saying I always fear him. There are times I fear man. But I'm telling you, I have saved myself a lot of pain by not fearing man when everybody else was fearing man. Did you know why COVID-19 happened? You know why it really happened? The Chinese, no. You know why it really happened? Because nobody in this country fears him. You're scared to die. I'm not scared to die. I know who's in charge of the last breath I breathe. I'm not gonna let man tell me what to fear. I already know who I'm supposed to fear. You pull that off on our founding fathers that had never worked. Are you kidding? We fought to, we, we more than self our country loved. Don't you dare try to scare me with death. That's what's happened to this country. We're not scared of God as much as we are of something else. Can't be honest in business dealings because I'll lose a lot of money. What happened to the fear of God? If you're a fear of God, you'd be an honest man all the time. And your child would look at it and say, I fear God too. And my dad can be honest in business. My dad can show that he's willing to lose money to be right with God. Woo, sign me up. A proper fear of the Lord causes these things. And then a biblical fear of the Lord brings blessings and reward. Look with me in Psalm 118. We live in a land where nobody seems to fear God. We are aware of this, but let me ask you, are you living in the fear of the Lord? Because if you'll demonstrate the fear of God to the people around you, it will cause them to start to wonder if maybe they need to be fearing God too. Lawyers are wicked. Someone the other night said, if all the lawyers were at the bottom of the ocean, it'd be a good start. You can't hardly be a Christian lawyer today because if you're a Christian lawyer, you're gonna have to be honest. It's just, it's just the way it goes in our society. Isn't that wicked? We're into, a, we're into another political season again. Isn't it disgusting? Psalm 118 and verse number four. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Isn't it interesting how you fear him and you don't fear? I will not fear. What can man do unto me? It was comical back in the 80s when they had those bumper stickers that said no, no fear. There is nobody out there with no fear. But if you'll fear him, you'll not fear a whole lot of other stuff. So again, verse six, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Amen. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes or politicians. I threw that in there. Biblical fear brings blessings and reward, confidence in him, not in ourselves, not in some other man, but confidence in him. You, you all know my, one of my favorite verses is Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. The fear of the Lord brings blessings and reward. 
Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 talks about life. Proverbs 14, verse 26 and 27 talks about being confident and having life and protection. And Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22 says in verse 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You do not have, need to have the most money or the most anything to be a content and happy. You realize how many celebrities out there don't really think they've got life yet? Jesus said, I've come to give them life more abundantly. We're not proud of our son because of his job. But I use him as an example because so many people I didn't know this. Mr. Dave said, I said, he, Mr. Dave was his, his teacher, his, his school super, supervisor. I said, I said, Dave, I said, how's Caleb doing? Oh, he's doing great. I said, he, he said, he's a wizard at math. I looked at him. My son's a wizard at math. He said, yeah. He said, I think, I think, I think schools would pay him to come to their college. I didn't even, I didn't even know. And there were schools that I think would have been interested, but we, we toured the dormitory of, of the school in Rapid City, School of Mines. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got guys and girls in the same hallway? You, you, got, you got co-ed dorms? You say, Pastor, where have you been? In a, under a rock. So even though Nebraska was interested, I wasn't interested in Nebraska. Why? My kid's not living in a co-ed dorm. <gasps> yeah, but all the money. Who cares about the money? Show me rich people who are happy. The fear of God is the blessing. I said, Caleb, you can go to the school of mines, but they're going to have to let you live at home because you can't live there. And the professor, the one lady said, oh, you're going to stay at home? That's awesome. She said, there's kids that stay up all night and they just play video games. And then they can't stay awake in class. It's so counterproductive. So tell me, why are they doing it? And I, I had no idea. I, I knew the school of mines was on that one road there in Rapid City, but I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about it. So someone said, hey, so your son, where, he, he's going to go to school of mines. <gasps> really? Yeah. Let me tell you something. I'm just as thankful for the other two who've been quarantined to Custer who ain't making near the money but are doing exactly what God wants them to do. And oh, by the way, the one that makes the money, I guarantee you it's going to missions. In fact, I said, hey, Caleb, why don't we go fishing this summer? I'm not sure. Dad, I've already signed up for a mission trip. You tell me which is more satisfying. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. And Proverbs 28, verse 13 and 14 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth always. Let me read that again. Happy is the man or woman that feareth always. Always. Well, that doesn't sound very happy if you're always afraid. Oh, but it's all about who you're afraid of. See, I'm not afraid of God. 
but I fear him. I've read, and by the way, this right here is the closest thing to God we have, this right here. And I have read everything in his, his it's his word. And, I, and I'm not saying I got it memorized, but I have read it, and here's what I know. If I forget anything, it's a big bummer for me. If I overlook and omit and disobey any, I fear not listening to what he said. Because I know he's right. Even though the world around me convinces me sometimes, maybe it's not right. I'm always right. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 12 and 13, I'll just paraphrase it. It says, no matter how wicked the wicked are, I know it will be well with me if I fear God. And I know in the end, it will not be well with the wicked if they don't fear God. It is well with my soul. I know that God is good and I can trust him and that he delivers and he, there's nobody like him. I am not afraid of man because I fear God. And the more I fear him, the less I have to be afraid of man. And look what Jesus said. I'm running out of time, but Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10 in verse 28, listen carefully to what Jesus said. Matthew 10, 28, and fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't be afraid of some human being because they can kill you. Rather you should be afraid of the one who can send your soul into eternity. And if you're not ready for that, that should be your fear. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the, on the ground without your father? The very hairs, or lack thereof, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. You see, when you fear him, you don't have to fear anything else. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And lastly, Acts chapter 9. There's so much more that we could talk about. It's a huge topic in the Bible. But Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, I just want to show you this. Acts chapter 9 and verse 31. When you fear God, you'll find rest you'll find edification. Edification means you're just continually building up and growing, maturing, and you'll find comfort. Acts chapter nine, verse 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. If you tell your neighbor that they're, they're going to die and go to hell one day, that, that, that is true if they're not saved. But what might really tell them what they need to hear is when you go to your neighbor and say, you know, I've been treating you wrong for the last 10 years. And my God has placed it upon my heart that I need to come and apologize to you for that. And then all of a sudden your neighbor says, wow, they fear God. You might have to do it with your child or your spouse or your employer or your employee. But when you fear him truly, inside and out, secret and public, when you fear him, 
you'll find rest and edification and comfort and probably some multiplication. Because other people are going, huh, I want, that's what I want. Any politician who stands up and preaches and teaches the fear of God and says, we do this because we fear the Lord. We live this way because we fear the word of God and we fear God and we are God-fearing people. They will be laughed to scorn and they'll dig as much dirt as they can find on them. But I'm gonna tell you right now, it'll still be worth it. We used to have statesmen. Today we have politicians. We used to have pastors. Today we have panderers. We used to have parenting. Today we have coping. It wasn't my job to be my kids' buddy. It was my job to show them that I fear God more than I fear them. I'm convinced that there are people who are scared to death of their spouse because they're afraid that they'll leave them if they stand for God. You just demonstrated that you fear that spouse more than him. And I'm convinced there are parents that are afraid that their child won't like them or talk to them or leave them or whatever it might be. If they stand for God, then you fear your kid more than you fear God and they know it. But if you stand for truth and you say, it's because I fear God more than you and I need God's smile more than your smile. And as much as I want you to be around, I gotta have God around. That's the beginning of wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you give us the privilege to fear you, not in a scary, beaten way, but in an appreciative way that we know how awesome you are, how, how powerful you are, and how, how holy you are, and yet how gracious you are. Help us never to lose that connection, that, that closeness, that fellowship that we enjoy as believers who are right with you. And may we never fear anyone else to the point of not fearing you. But help us to fear you above everything else and help us to tell truth when truth has to be told because you more are more important to us than they are. And help us to demonstrate with that kind of fear to them who need to see it in our lives. May we be God-fearing people. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.